Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be if you got what was absolutely fair, you know what would happen? You'd be sent to hell in the flames of hell for all time from now on. That would be fair because you and I sinned. We both sinned bad. We broke God's law. That's what th- That would be fair, okay? So don't drag God into your little courtroom and think you can hold him there and say, now, God, that's not fair. Be careful about throwing around the word fair. God will never sit in our courtroom to be judged and tried by us, but we will all sit in his courtroom to be judged and tried by him. When we see how the child died instead of David and Bathsheba paying for it, this becomes a big troubling thought for us, doesn't it? It makes us get all twisted up in a knot. The first rule of thumb that we need to use here is that we are the sinner, not God. He is God and we are not. Now, when it comes to the death of David's son, the infant son here, people want to get angry at God for striking him, thinking that David should have been held responsible to die for what he did himself. Okay, I understand that. I want you to hang on to that for a minute, but you got to remember, David was under covenant. I'm going to say it again. Oh, Ray, don't just run off to that. No, you need to listen to me and hang on here because I've got something to unload on you here at the end, okay? I'm getting somewhere with this. David was under covenant, and as Nathan had said, the Lord has put your sin away. But, but then again, you're thinking, why though? Why would he do that? Because he, the Lord needed to fulfill everything he had promised for David. Yeah, but what about the son that died? What about the son that died? David should have died for that. David should have died for that. I want you to keep that question in your mind. I want you to keep that anger. Well, David should have. What about the son? Hold on to that for a minute, okay? But David pleaded and fasted for the child's life. But then in 2 Samuel 12 and 19, when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Okay, friends, this is about David saying, The child went off into death. I I will go there someday, but the child can't come back. But I want you to take particular notice what the first thing David did after his son died. What is the first thing he did? 
he worshiped the Lord. The child died. He pleaded and fasted, and it, and it didn't come out the way David wanted. It didn't come out the way he prayed and helped so much for. The child died, and what did David do? He worshiped. How many of you could have done that? How many of you would have gotten mad and said, well, I prayed and it didn't happen. You must be a dead God. We'll forget you and just not worship, probably done the complete opposite, would you? He worshiped. He worshiped the Lord. He did not get into an argument with God and shake his fist. He accepted the death of his son, and so he gave himself, he gave him his son and all of his trust that, God, you know what you're doing. He gave it completely over to God. That's something for us to learn from. Second Samuel 12 and 24. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and sent word by the hand of Nathan, the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. How many of you remember Jedidiah? Nobody. Okay. How many of you remember Solomon? Oh, everybody knows Solomon. Same guy. Jedidiah is Solomon. But here now that David's blindness was gone, now that he's seeing straight, he had a son named Jedidiah, and Jedidiah means loved by the Lord. It is believed that the name Solomon was chosen for Jedidiah as a secondary name for him, as a throne name, as a king's name, because Solomon means peaceable. He's got two names. One means loved by the Lord and peaceable. Why would they do this? You got to consider that a king with two names that means loved by the Lord and peaceable would transfer to the people of Israel, all the people of the nation. The Israelites would understand that they have a God who loves them. They're loved by God, and they would all know that he is a peaceable God that was implanted into the structure, the appearance, the very name of their next king, King Solomon, who would be the third king of Israel. Second Samuel 12 and 26. Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the people of Ammon and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah, and I have taken the city's water supply. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah, fought against it, and took it. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones, and it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance, and he brought out the people who were in it, and put them to work with saws and iron picks and iron axes, and made them cross over to the brickworks. So he did to all the cities of the people of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. Okay, Joab's out there fighting still, and if he had won this battle on his own, then the name of Joab would have been marked on that victory. Joab would have had his name stamped on that victory. So Joab told David, hey, you need to get down here yourself, and you need to lead this battle down here because the victory needs to be attributed to your name. We need to have your name on this victory, not on my name. And so David went with his covenant promise. Did you see that? It says he won and he took them. He went down with covenant promise and he won. Now, this is a huge difference from the David that we saw back in chapter 11. You remember when the army went down to this same place 
They went down to Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Apparently, they had been fighting through this whole adultery scheme thing that was going on between David and Bathsheba, fighting all this time and had no victory until the king came, right? It took a king to do this. It took a covenant king to win. But David was lazy. He stayed at Jerusalem. He stayed home, kicked back, taking it easy, instead of going out and leading like a king should lead. And so David's success against the Ammonites shows us that the Lord's covenant victory was still his. He still had it, even though he had messed up royally. And I don't mean a pun with that, but he, on a royal scale, he blew it. But he still had the covenant promise. Guys, you don't lose covenant promise even when you mess up really, really bad. But something I want to ask you, though, have you ever messed up as bad as David did? I've never committed adultery, Ray. I've never killed anybody. Okay, great for you. What about the other things you've done? You know you've messed up bad. I have too. I'm going to put my hand up. We've all messed up. But do you think that you have ever messed up so bad that God doesn't love you anymore? I know a lot of people that think that. They think they're so foul. They think they've blown it so bad that God's never going to love them anymore or that they can't be saved anymore or because they blew it so bad that God doesn't want them anymore. I want you to understand that if you get under the blood of Christ, if you get under the blood of Jesus, the new covenant blood that he shed for you, that if you will repent of your sin and say, I'm sorry for what I did, I have sinned against the Lord like David said, and you'll get under covenant, then know with absolute certainty from the scripture we read today, just like God sent Nathan to tell David, he has today put your sin away you shall not die. Friend, I want you to understand, if you get under the blood of Jesus, you get under covenant. I don't care how bad you've messed up. You're under covenant. The Lord God has put your sin away. You shall not die. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now some condemnation to those... That, no, 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 Ray, you read that wrong. Oh, I know I did. I read it wrong on purpose. What does it say? Follow me. Read it. Get this. There is therefore now no condemnation, none, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, are you hearing this? Are you getting it? We like to justify, oh, no, you can lose it. Uh, you can lose salvation. No, you can't. Well, Ray, that doesn't mean we get to sin away. I haven't said that either. You've seen the damage it causes. I, I'm still on track, okay? Don't try to pull me one way or the other. This is the good news of the gospel, though. That if you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you get under covenant. And when God binds a promise, he will fulfill everything that he says he's going to fulfill in that covenant. When you get under covenant with Jesus Christ, God has put away your sin. And what God has promised, he will do. He will do. And our sin will be put out of the way so that God can do it. Now. These people that take God's covenant idea here, the hyper-grace thing as a, as a sin license, and I'm not preaching a sin license at all. Maybe you weren't really under the covenant like you thought you were if you're going sinning like a, like a crazy devil. But if you really are under covenant and you're thinking, well, then I can party, and you're thinking, no, I'm saved I, no matter what. I, I can do whatever I want to because I have the promise of salvation. You know, people like this are missing a critical point. They need to read 2 Samuel 12. Because even though David was spared, he was spared by being under covenant, 
Others were not. He invited a lot of damage. Others were not spared. It hurt other people. And that does not mean the consequences disappear. Oh, I'm under Jesus. That means every bad thing I've ever done goes away. Uh-uh, no, not, that's not how it works. I've got a friend who was on drugs. He got saved. And four years later, his teeth started falling out. And he couldn't believe, well, why, am I, why are my teeth falling out? I, I'm saved now. Because the consequences stick. You know, you, you, you should just stop the sin and now and get under the covenant and stay repentant. Look at the sin. Oh, not going to have it. You need to have that steadfast spirit that David asked for. So, uh, guys, I want to let us burn into our memories that just because you're under covenant doesn't mean the consequences go away. Nathan said, you have given great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. That's something that ought to haunt us. Christian, if you think, well, I'm saved, I'm saved under Jesus, but you're home looking at porn, uh, I said it, there I did. If you think it looking at porn is okay, well, especially when you're doing it in secret, nobody's going to know. Guys, know this, you are giving occasion for God's enemies to blaspheme him, to insult him, to mock him. Christian, if you think that holding an unforgiving grudge against somebody that you're mad at and you won't forgive them and you're justified in your own mind, you've, you've got this manipulative logic that says why it's okay for you to hate this person, you are in sin, you are giving great occasion for God's enemies to blaspheme him. Friends, it's like that guy on the football team. He wouldn't really take his position. You know, you might as well just lay the red carpet and let the other team guy come through. You're just, you're inviting it. Christian, why would you invite this? How many of you out there have such a good life? You could use more trouble. Oh, I could use more trouble. I I would love more trouble. No, you don't want any more trouble than you've already got. So let me ask you, friend, if you think that everything's all about you, and you come first, if you think money is going to save your life, if you live your life according to your way first, you, you know what I want to do is what I want to do. You don't pursue God. You don't go to the, attend the assembly of believers. You don't study God's word. You do all these other things first, and you, you're not following the Lord God. You know, friend, I could go on and on with a list of things that are wrong that we do wrong here. How far do you want me to take it? But friends, I want to ask you, why would you willingly give? You're handing it to the enemy on a silver platter. You're giving the enemies of God a free opportunity to blaspheme the Lord. You're giving them, you're just kicking the door wide open and saying, enemy, come in here and just trash my life. Why would you do that? When you sin against the Lord and you do it willfully like this, that's exactly what you're doing. Well, it's my life. It's, it's, it's my life. I can do what I want as long as I'm not hurting nobody else. You think David thought that when his son, before he knew his son was going to die? Well, it's my life. I'll do what I want. I'm the king. I'm awesome. Look at the damage it's going to cause now. Fourfold, guys. Remember? Fourfold? And the, and the sword's never going to leave his house? Remember how the Lord said to David through Nathan, he said, I would have given you more. I would have given you more. Friend, do you feel like you're missing out on a lot of God's blessing? Do you pray for God's blessing and you're not getting it? David prayed for his son, didn't get it. Son still died. How many times have you given the enemies of God the free open door opportunity to come in and just tear everything up? You have given them the opportunity to come and blaspheme him. 
Hey, just come on through, Satan. Hey, come on through, demons. Just trash my life. Mess me up. Put me in more misery than I'm already in. You might as well just say that, guys. You're literally permitting. You are literally helping the enemies of God to ruthlessly insult the very God who offered you the protective covenant which you love being under. Why would you do that? He gave you the covenant of Jesus Christ. Oh, I enjoy that. I have God's favor. Now you're going to let everybody in to come trash that. Why would you do that? Let us understand that blessing from God is a direct result of our obedience of God. Let me say that again, because I know a lot of people need to hear that. Blessing from God is a direct result of our obedience of God. Look at how severe God had to get with David to get him to open his eyes, to look at what was going on, to the mess he had made. Friends, how much worse does it have to get before we will wake up? Look at the country. Look at the world. Look how bad things are. All the murder, all the struggle, all the war, all the hatred, all the accusation, all the cutting down and the back and forth. It's it's irritating. Friends, how much worse does it have to get before we'll just wake up? That's what I want to ask. Why can't we just get low before the Lord now? Why does it have to get worse before we get low and ask the Lord to show us the error of our ways before we will say, I have sinned against the Lord? Friend, your private sin that you're doing that you think nobody knows about, well, I don't have anything to repent of. Yeah, that secret stuff you're doing. Yes, you do. That secret stuff gives God's enemies the opportunity, the occasion to come in and do so much more damage. And that damage produces itself publicly. What did God say he was going to do? He was going to deal with it publicly. And I want you to consider again David's son, how David's son died. And people want to get angry at God for striking David's son with death. Remember, I told you to hang on to that question. Why, Why didn't David have to pay for it? The son shouldn't die. He's not the one that did anything. People demand David should have been held responsible for the whole thing himself. David should have been the one to die for all that, not his son. His son is not the one that sinned. David is the one that sinned, not the son. I want you to look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made him, that's Jesus, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. In him. Friends, if you want to point at God and say, that's not fair, give me fair, check this out. If you insist that it was not fair for David's own son to die when David is the one that did wrong, then friends, understand it was not fair either for God's own son to die when we are the ones that did something wrong. Yet, Jesus did it anyway. Do you hear my point? For God's own son to die, the sinless one. He did nothing wrong. He didn't do anything, but he died when we were the ones that did something wrong. If you think David should have been condemned for his sin, then do you demand that you should be condemned for your sin? If you're still thinking, God, how could you strike David's own son? Then I want you to read Romans 8.32. It says, God He is the one, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Friends, we have got to understand covenant. 
This is the covenant. Jesus went and made, he made that covenant for us on the cross. That's how the covenant was made that saves you by his dying. The one who didn't even do anything. We've got to understand covenant. David was under covenant. God promised to do things through David, and so he had to fulfill them all. If David had died, then everyone in history would call God a liar, and they would never trust God to keep his word because God would have gone back on what he promised. David had to live. He put his sins away. Friends, I want you to understand, when you get under covenant, God will do the things he promised he will do. You will get to eternal life. But that does not give you any reason or permission or license or justification or whatever you want to call it to get out there and sin your tail off because oh, I'm saved no matter what. That's baloney. The consequences will stick to you. But I want you to understand Psalm 103.10 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Friends, it's so good that God did not deal back unto us what we dealt unto him. We dealt an eternity's worth. Each one of us, millions, billions of people have dealt an eternity's worth of suffering and condemnation. And Jesus Christ paid for all of it all at once for all of us on the cross all in one day. Who are we to say what's fair when the one who did not do anything wrong went and died? And the Lord Jesus did that himself. He came and did that victory. Covenant king power. He came and did it himself. He didn't sit at home like David did and say, ah, send somebody else. He came and did it himself so that that victory would be attributed to his name. We have victory in whose name? Your name? No. Anybody else's name? No. It's like Joab told David, come down so this victory will be on your name. Jesus came down to us and died on the cross so that the victory would be attributed to the name of Jesus. The victory is his. And if you will get under the blood of Christ, the victory will be yours. And so what did David do after realizing that the son had died? It says he worshiped the Lord because he trusted and knew what God was doing. This is how the Lord frees a believer to go on living without guilt, without burden, to clear it up and release everything to the Lord God. Through worship, release it to the Lord God through worship. David modeled this for us to be able to do the same, to release it to the Lord through worship, to accept the things we cannot change and entrust him with it. We serve a king of victory, my friends. David and Bathsheba, they messed up really, really bad, but God still had plans for them because he gave them Solomon, the man who would be Israel's next king. And so you too can know that even though you have really messed up, God still has plans for you and he can still do great things for you because he is a king who is peaceable, who loves you. Now, friends, if you just realize that the Lord died, you just realize the son died, the son who did nothing wrong, the son who had no fault in the matter of his own died because of your covenant so that you could have the things fulfilled to you that God said. If you're just recognizing, oh, Jesus did that for me. What's the first thing you should do? You should worship the Lord. And I want you to let it all go. Release it all. The fault you have, the problems you've got, the things you've done wrong, let it go. Let it go to the cross. Worship the Lord for the Son has died. And the victory is that of Messiah Jesus. Get under the covenant and be free. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.